17. I, I, I've got a little bit of a fire in my bone today. I, I'm, I'm just feeling like I want to preach today. It seems like, seems like these holidays have just got me a little bit frustrated with having to sit around and, and, and not be able to really release what I feel like God has placed in me. I was telling the prayer team earlier this morning, I had a mentor. I still have a mentor in my life that he used to come in with a bound sometimes, and he said, he'd say, Rob, I'm telling you, I'm so full of faith today. If I can't preach today, I never will be able to preach. And I kind of feel that way today. I believe the Lord has dropped a word in my spirit for us this morning. I'm going to talk to you about raising the bar. First Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite, a Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain for these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward. And hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. And you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. I want us to stop. I want you to say that with me right now. Will you do that? So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Can we say it again? So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, that's exactly what I intend to do this year. So he went and he lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up because there was no, no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came. Say that with me. Then the word of the Lord came and said, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Before, but behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. And he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord God, your God, lives, I have nothing baked, <clears throat> only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself and for your son. For thus saith the Lord, man, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty <clears throat> until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. And the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Thank you for your word, Lord. Now I pray that you would anoint your servant today as I attempt to bring out the message that you have placed in me. What I'm sharing today is not from me. It's in my spirit, but it didn't originate with me. It originated with you. And I pray that you will help me, your servant, your mouthpiece today, to be faithful to that vision. And that you would help me to communicate effectively today so that your people can be encouraged and motivated 
to see this day as the greatest opportunity to live faithfully for you and successfully. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, it seems to me that I'm hearing more negative comments than almost anything that I've heard in a very long time. I mean, it just seems like that the world is full of negativity. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. I mean, everywhere you turn, it's negative this and negative that, and negative this and negative that. And that, don't, don't misunderstand me. I know that there are times that we have to identify challenges in our life because if we don't identify the challenges, then we'll never be able to apply the truth of God's word to those challenges. So there are times that something challenging or negative has to come out of our mouth for the purpose of identification. But the problem with so many of us is that we stay there. We live right there in that negativity. And God, I believe, is wanting to raise us up and allow us to be a more positive representation of the faith in this new year. I really believe that. It starts with me, and it will filter through you. But this world needs to hear that there is hope in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> We're not down and out. I, I, I'm, I'm not out of the game. I'm not defeated. I, the, the enemy does not have me. In fact, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I know that's all in me, but I have to make an effort to allow all of that to come out of me. And the way that it comes out of me is by faith and through faith and by the words that I speak. I want to read to you a... Uh, a little note that I saw that was written by a preacher by the name of Dr. Lee Robertson. <clears throat> and he wrote these words. He said, we hear people watching others say a happy new year. He said, but we might as well question what are the possibilities for a happy new year? Surely there is nothing happy about the world situation that we are living in. Sorrow and heartaches are the sure process, prospects for the year ahead. Our national situation is far from peaceful. Uncertainty characterizes the whole world. In the life of an individual, what really is the prospect for a happy new year? We feel the increase of living cost. Crime is on the rise. And we have rebellion against the law and the order of our land. And so if we look to our circumstances and surroundings, there is no possibility for a happy new year. What a doubting Dan, amen? Sounds like our world, doesn't it? Sounds like that he has hit on so many things that are happening in our world today. But do you know when this was written? He wrote these words on New Year's Day, 1951. 1951. I'm proud to announce to you today that that's older than I am. For some of you who may be thinking, boy, our pastor is getting old. I ain't that old yet. I hope to get that old because I don't like the other option. But in 1951, a man of God stood in his pulpit and said to his congregation, there is absolutely no hope for a happy new year when you look at all that is going on in the world today. And it sounds a lot like our world today. But I want to tell you something today. It's time for the church to raise the bar. We have the greatest authority and the greatest power and the greatest warrior who has ever lived on the face of this earth, who is on our side and in us. We are filled with his power, filled with his authority, filled with his anointing. There's nothing that we can't do through Christ Jesus if we will just batten down the hatches and get her done. Amen. But we have to change the way that we think if good things are going to be materializing in our lives. 
So I want us to turn now to this passage of Scripture in 1 Kings. We have a little widow and a prophet of God. And the Lord speaks to the prophet and he says, I want you to tell the king that there will be, that there will be no rain until I say so through you. And he said, I want you to go and I want you to camp by the brook in Cherith. And he said, there are two things that you're not going to have by natural resource there. The first is you will have no water. There won't be any water. At some point, I'm going to dry up that brook. And you won't have any meat. You're going to be fed by the birds. I don't know about you, but when I think about being blessed by the hand of God, I don't think about God taking things away from me. I don't think about him taking away my food. Man, I've had some good food through the holidays. How about you? Man, I've had cake and pie and cookies. and uh, Notice how I always start with the dessert. Because I'd rather have the dessert. I'd rather just eat the, the dessert first. But I've learned that I shouldn't do that. But, you know, when I think about my life and being blessed and moving forward and all that, I don't think about God taking things away from me. But there's a season sometimes when God has to take away things that we have become naturally dependent upon. Because he wants us to be supernaturally dependent upon his anointing. <clears throat> and God proved to the prophet, I will not let you down. I will provide everything that you have need of, but you're going to have to raise the bar of your faith by being willing to give away those things that you've been accustomed to having because you'll never be able to grow in your faith until you're willing to lay down those things that have become so precious to you. There are times we just got to lay it down in order to trust him and allow him to bring us to a higher level of faith. And then he said, I want you now to go to Zarephath. He said, I have prepared a widow there to, to, to take care of you and to meet your needs. And so uh, the prophet goes into Zarephath and here's the little lady and she's going to gather some water. And, and the prophet comes up and says, I'd like to have a drink of that water if you don't mind. And as she's beginning to get the water for him, he says, and bring me a little piece of bread if you will. And it's at that point that the lady had to make a decision. <clears throat> she knew where she was. She knew what was going on in her life. She knew that she didn't have any resources. And she decided to share with the prophet of God. Well, sir, here's the problem. <clears throat> I'm just now going to get a little bit so that I can go home and put it together. And then I'm going to feed it to my son. And I'm going to have a little bit. And then we're going to die. It's done. Over. Finito. Now if I'd have been the prophet. I would have said oh well never mind. Don't worry about me. I was getting ready to start Weight Watchers this year anyway. I was going to, get, I was, I was going to go with, uh, with, with uh, Marie Osmond. And get some Nutrisystem. Brought to my door every day, and, and, and they, they guarantee that I can lose 13 pounds in the first week. How many of you have seen that? Praise God. We're going to sign up today. It's prophetic. That's exactly how many pounds the doctor told me I had to get off of me. 13 pounds. It's a word from the Lord. Came through Marie Osmond. The prophet could have said, oh, don't worry about me. I'll just take care of myself. I, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were in such need. He could have taken that route. But when you raise the bar, <clears throat> you have to do things that are uncomfortable and do things that are out of the norm for your life. You cannot live the way that you've always lived. You can't depend on the same resources that you've always depended on. You have to be willing to say, God, I heard your voice speak concerning this matter. And no matter how uncomfortable it is for me, I am going to obey the voice of the Lord. And so the prophet says to this little widow, well, that's fine. And you will go ahead and do that. But before you do, I want you to bring some of that and feed me first. Oh, that's a tough thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. To see someone who is in greater need, 
but to realize that there is a spiritual principle at work. We don't live by sight. We live by faith in the word of God and what God tells us to do. And he goes on and he says to her, if you will feed me first, I promise you that the Lord God of Israel will meet every need that you have and the flower will not fail until the day that it rains again. And she went home and she raised the bar. She did exactly what the word of the Lord was to her. And the prophet ate it, and the scripture tells us that her barrel did not run dry until the rain came. Let me tell you today that if you will get off your comfy cushion of spirituality and stop just trying to be comfortable, God will raise you up to a place that you never dreamed was possible for your spirit man. He did not come to make us comfortable. He came to make us conformable to the will of God for our lives. So for those of you who think, well, you know, pastor's been here a little over six years now. He's probably getting comfortable now. He'll, he'll probably slow down a bit. He'll, he'll probably just kind of settle in and everything will be okay. Let me just tell you, I'm getting ready to knock some of you out of your eagle's nest this year because it's time for you to rise up and take your place in the kingdom of God and allow his anointing to flow through you. Amen. You say, how do we do it? Thank you for asking. The first thing that we have to do is depend upon the promises of God. If we are to advance in this next year, it must be because we are doing what God's word and his promises tell us to do. Now, if you try to just get out there on your own and do your own thing, you're going to fail, you're going to falter. You know why? Because we start bargaining with God. We say, well, God, I, you know, I, I tell you what, I don't want to go all in just yet, but I'll put one foot in. How's that? Some of you have somebody in your life that you need to forgive right now. They did you wrong. They said something to you. They did something to you that was inappropriate, and it has hurt your heart. Can I just tell you that if you're going to raise the bar, you've got to be willing to forgive them. You say, well, they've not asked me to forgive them. Raise the bar and forgive them even when they have not asked for forgiveness. Oh, what if I just put my big toe in and just forgive them on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? I can still be upset with them on Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday. And on Sunday, I just won't even think about it any. No, Scripture tells us that if we're going to get complete victory, we've got to be willing to leave one realm and walk into the other realm and go full on with what God has called us to do. There's some of you out there that you've been asking God to bless you financially for a long time. And you just can't seem to get over the hump. Well, let me tell you, you're never going to get over the hump until you learn to obey the word of the Lord when it comes to your tithing and giving. Man, I, I get so, I know you get tired of hearing me say that. Here I am, just talking about we don't have enough money, we didn't have enough. No, this is for you. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to raise the bar? Do you want to have everything that you have need of? Then the scripture says that if we'll stop robbing God and giving him his tithe, then he will pour out a blessing upon us from the windows of heaven that we will not be able to contain. You see, it's much better to do it God's way. I know some people listening online right now probably say, man, I'm glad I didn't go today. Listen, I'm, it's time for us to raise the bar. God has called us to do things that we need to be able to do, but we'll never do them until we, till we obey the word of the Lord, the promises of God. Listen, this book right here, I've been, I've been in full-time ministry now. How many years we've been married? 
Is it 38? 37? It is. It was 38 in November. Lord, give her her mind back. 38 years. We got married one weekend and started evangelizing the next weekend. I've been doing this a long time. The most precious thing I think that I have in my life is this book right here. I did a funeral Friday for someone who uh, is not a part of our church, and I made this statement. I said, the promises of God that are found in this book, are it, it's like a treasure chest. I mean, it, it, it's like the treasure never stops flowing out of this book. I don't care how old you are and how long you've been reading the Word and how long you've been studying, there's always something fresh and new and exciting in the Word of God. It is a treasure chest of blessings that God has for us. Did you know that in this book, there are over 32,000 promises to God's people. Let me just ask you, how many of those 32,000 are you aware of? You see, you're never going to get what God has for you until you get the promises of God on your behalf. But boy, once you start getting the promises of God in your life and you learn that it is for you, I'm telling you it will continue to flow into your life and out of your life in a way that is indescribable. It's the promises of God. So the first thing is we've got to know the promises of God. And then secondly, we have to use those promises. What good is a promise if we don't use it? What, what good are relationships if we don't connect? What good is anointing if we never release it? What good is knowledge if we always keep it inside? What good is calling if we never release the calling that God has placed upon our lives? I, I always get tickled. I don't know, Brother Danny and Brother Jerry, if you, you, you ever felt this or not, but I always get tickled that young people come to me and tell me that they're called of God. I got a call of God in my life. Really? Well, just come Saturday and we've got a few tables out in the gym that we need to set up for, a, for an event that we've got coming and some chairs. And Oh, no, no, I'm not called to do that. They're not called. Listen, I've done things in these 38 years that I never felt like I was called to do. <clears throat> but when you are trying to please the one who has called you, you don't ask about all the details. You just say, God, I will obey the calling that you've placed upon my life. We've got to use the promises of God. And then thirdly, we've got to rely on the promises. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is we've got to live or die on the Word of God and the promises of God. You have to get so committed to the promises of God that you say, if I live or if I die, it does not matter to me. As I know, Pastor, don't start talking like that. That's just silly. That's just uncalled for, for you to say, I need to live or die on the promises of God. Oh, yeah? Well, just listen and, and ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Say, you're going to either sing this song or we're going to kill you. So I'm not going to sing the song because I'm not going to bow to your God. Never happened. Oh, yeah? Well, we'll throw you in the fiery furnace. We're still not going to bow. Oh, Yeah? Well, we'll bring it up seven times hotter than it's ever been. Well, good for you. We're still not going to bow. Because we believe that our God is able to prevent us from having to go into the fire. But if not, we still will not bow. And they did not bow, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Uh, but where there should have been three, there were four, and one of them was a son of God, and they came out saved without even any smoke on them. Listen, there are times you've got to live or die by the promises of God. 
I've told this story before, but I remember in the very first church we ever pastored, I just had a come to Jesus meeting with Jesus because I was tired of never having food for my family and having my car repossessed and because I couldn't make the payment because the church couldn't afford to pay me what they promised to pay me. And I was sick and tired of it. I wasn't mad at the people. I wasn't really even mad at God. But I wasn't quite sure that he was holding up his end of the bargain. Somebody say amen. You ever been there? And I got along with him and I said, God, I'm sick and tired of this. I know what your word says. I know what your promises are. I know what your call on my life is. And God, I told you that I'd go wherever you wanted me to go and do whatever you wanted me to do and say whatever you wanted me to say. And I've done that all my life. I've gone places I did not want to go. And I've done things that I did not want to do. But God, I want to eat too. And then I got to that place where I said, but God, if I have to starve to death right here on this hill, I'll starve to death right here for you because I believe your promises are true. And when Jonathan had asked for one hot dog and we didn't have one hot dog to give him, we began to pray and ask God to provide food for our family. And when we took a walk in the neighborhood, when we came back and opened the front door, there were more groceries than I've ever seen in my life. And right on the top of the bag was a bag full of Oscar Mayer hot dogs. I'm telling you that if you will live or die on the promises of God, he will never, ever fail you. But you've got to make the commitment to live or die on that hill. Some of you are still flirting with God. Still just going out with him once a month. Listen, it's time for you to jump all in to the things of God and the calling of God upon your life. you got to rely on his promises. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, you think about what he's already done. My goodness, can you imagine what he's already done? Just take a moment and think about all the things that he's done for you. Let's jump forward to Elijah on Mount Carmel. He's up there with the prophets of Baal. And they're, they're in this gunslinger showdown, if you will. The prophets of Baal against the prophet of God. And the prophet of God said, you go first. Call upon your God. See if he'll come down here and save the, take this sacrifice and, and bring fire down upon it. He said, you go first. And they went first. And they started calling upon Baal and calling upon him. Sacrifice. Take this sacrifice. Consume it with fire. That didn't work. And so they started cutting themselves and the cutting didn't help and the cutting didn't work and then Elijah confident that God was going to through come through started started just joking them a little bit and river well where is your God is your God is your God not able maybe your God needed a nap maybe your maybe your God needed to go to the restroom Maybe that's what your God's up to. He said, move out of the way. It's time for the God of Israel to show up. He said, I don't want just one trench. I don't want a little bit of water. I want more trench, more water. I want it to be almost impossible for my God. But he did. And here's what he prayed. 63 words. Listen to this. He said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Now hear me, O Lord, hear me, so that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. 
He went back and said, this God that I serve is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God who fed me by the ravens. He's the God that gave me water by the brook. He's the God who has never let me down. Now, oh God, today, right now, consume this sacrifice so that everyone else can know that there's a God in Israel. He didn't say that there's a prophet in Israel. He said, I don't want them to know that I've got a new TBN special that's coming up or that I've got a new book that needs to be sold. God, I don't care about anything else except that these people know that you are God. Amen. You are God. And you know the rest of the story. I mean, fire came out. Fire came down from the heavens and consumed the sacrifice so that everyone could know that the word of the Lord is true. So it's a nice little Bible story. I remember hearing that in Sunday school. That sounds so nice. And pastor, I'm really glad that you're feeling your oats today. And you're preaching like a good old time Pentecostal preacher. We've been praying for you. You haven't spit on me in a long time. And I've been missing your spit. Listen, I don't give a diddly rip about any of that. What I want you to see is that if God can do that kind of thing for Elijah, and if God can do that kind of thing for a little widow who has nothing in her jar, if God can do that for them, then this very same God can cause you to rise up higher than you've ever been before. Hallelujah. Listen, you need to stop living in today. And you may need to revisit some of the things that God did for you when you were a child growing up. You may need to remember some of the things that God did for you when you were a teenager and you were away from the Lord. You need to remember some of the things that God did for you when your life was falling apart. You need to refocus and stop thinking about the tough stuff that you're going through right now and remember that God has done it before and God will do it again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I got to close. I at least one person said that I'm closing. Once we realize that the promises of God are for us, and once we identify them and start walking in the promises of God, then we have to understand that he has new promises for us for the present and for the future. Let me tell you, I love to tell that story about that hot dog. I love to tell other stories about what God has done. I could, I could just stand here all day long and tell you stories about what my God has done over the last 38 years of ministry in our life. I could write a book. Make a note of that. I need to write a book. Sell that puppy so I can retire one of these days. But you could do the same thing. Those of you who have been following the Lord for a long time, you could say the same thing. Stephanie, the other Wednesday night, stood here and gave us her testimony about how that the Lord called her, came to where she was, delivered her, and called her. She could tell stories like that all day long. She's not as old as I am. I could tell more stories than her, but my stories wouldn't be as significant to her as their, her stories are significant to her. We, re, we need to remember what God has done, but now we've got to say, man, God, if you could do that back in 1951, if you could do that back in 1963, if you could do that back in 1974 and 1986 and 1992, and if you can do that all the way back then, then just think what you can do in my life today. 
I don't want to live like I lived in 1984. And I don't want to live like I lived in 1959, which was when I was born. Because I, all I could do is pretty much cry and suck my thumb. I don't want to be one of those present day Christians. Uh, I don't want to be sucking my thumb. Uh, I want to square my shoulders and say, God, I'm living in the reality of the right now promises uh, that you have for my life. He's willing. First of all, you need to understand he is able. You say, how do you know? Because he said he was. My God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of God that works in us. There's nothing impossible for those who can believe. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For those who ask, they shall receive. And those who seek, they shall find. And those who knock, the door shall be opened for them. I'm getting ready to kick some doors down this year. I don't care what CNN says and Fox News and ABC and CBS and, A and, and NBC and all of the rest of them. I don't care about what the fake news people say anymore either. The only thing I'm really concerned about in my life is right now what is the Lord God Almighty saying to his people and to his church. I'm not going to live like I did before. I'm not going to keep doing what I've done in the past. I'm going to live in my right now promises today. Will you come start playing and help me quit? I don't want to quit. I feel like I could preach all day long today. It might have been that chocolate chip cookie I had for breakfast this morning. Somebody step out and go get Jonathan if you will. We're going to start this year out different than we ever have before. We're going to baptize some people. Some of you are wondering where the screen went. We took our pocket knife and cut it down, threw it away. No, we just rolled it up because we wanted you to be able to see these two young people who have given their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ. We want, we want to baptize them today. God has called our church to a specific task. But we can't do what God's called us to do unless you raise the bar and do what God's called you to do. It's, it's time for you to start coming to church more often. We have church every Sunday morning at 10. Not every six weeks at 10, every week at 10. 10.30, thank you. I always get here at 10, before. But thank you for that. Listen, I know there are times when stuff comes up and you can't come. But if you'll be honest with me, there are times that you don't come because you just don't want to come. I didn't expect to get a whole lot of amens right there. I'm not mad at anybody. But what I'm trying to tell you is, is that if you want 2017 the best to be the best year you've ever had, you're going to have to raise the bar. So why should I come to church? Because the Bible says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together such as some do and especially in the last days. Let me tell you, we're living in the last days. I'd come to church. I'd read my Bible every day. We have a church app on this little phone right here. All you got to do is open that church app and down at the bottom it says reading plan and all you got to do is just tap the reading plan you want and every day you can read the Bible. It'll even keep track for you so that you forget whether or not you've done it. You say, no, you're not getting spiritual anymore now. You're plugging ministry. No, I'm trying to raise the bar with you. I, I'm trying to get you to do just the very basics of faith. You hear what I'm saying? Because if you don't do the basics, 
you're never going to walk in the superlatives. I'm just thinking about how upset the devil is. I'm just thinking about I don't even care. You need to just sell your jets now, Pastor. Don't you get that mean old devil upset now. He's a bad boy. He may be better than you, but he ain't better than me. Because I've got the spirit of the living God in me. When he comes after me, I know. I've learned. All I have to do is say to him, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. 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 And when I begin to proclaim the name of Jesus, the devils begin to tremble and shake in their boots and leave. <laughs> Some of us, we just want to get him stopped coming. Once you get him turned around, just go ahead and start chasing him. Go on, devil, go on. <laughs> I'm coming after you with Jesus. I've got Jesus in my life. Let's keep on running, big boy. I'm after you in the name of Jesus. You can't put sickness on me because the Lord Jesus uh, took stripes upon his back so that I could walk in health. You can't have my finances, devil, because I paid my tithe this week and my money is protected by the hand of God. You can't discourage me and frustrate me and make me depressed because I have the joy of the Lord living in me. Oh, you can't doubt, make me doubt my salvation because I know that every morning there's a fresh dose of mercy that has been reserved just for me. my glasses. Stephanie, open your eye and look at me. Wednesday night when you were preaching right here, the Lord spoke to me and said to tell you that 2017 is the year of launch. Not lunch. Launch. He's going to open doors of opportunity for you to operate in your calling and your gift that far, far supersede anything that you've ever had before. It's going to happen for you. But here's what the Lord wants you to know. He doesn't want you to spend any time at all trying to figure it out and plan it and put it on paper. Tear the paper up follow the living active spirit of God that is in you and in the meantime your launch may look very different to you than what you have right here you'll preach but you're also going to write words are going to come from your pen or your keyboard and they're going to be posted somewhere or published Somewhere, someone's going to read those words and their lives will be changed because God is going to allow his anointing to flow through you like never before. What he wants you to do is start looking every morning for open doors. And when the devil discourages you, and he will, when he says to you that pastor was off base, you say, devil, you're a liar. This is my year. This is my year for launch. I want you to preach on Mother's Day this year. God has called you to bring us a message on Mother's Day of this year. And he's going to use you. And we're going to fill this place up. You're going to invite people. And you're going to say, you have got, you have got 
to come to my church on Mother's Day because there's a young lady that God has raised up to bring a word from the Lord for us. And I cannot miss it for anything. Launch. Launch. Stand up if you will. saying to you today he's called you to be like you are which is different than anyone else because he wants you to be different than anyone else because he has called you to do what no one else can do and what he wants you to do this year is stop comparing yourself to other people because there's only one Kelly Doby in this world and she was made specifically as she is by the hand of God for a purpose that no one else can fulfill but you walk in his anointing you're doing things that no one else can do and he wants it
Pastor John. Are you back there, John? Are you back there? Come on out. up here. We're getting ready to close. Pastor John, speak very loudly so we can hear. Is, is Aaron here? Could you guys all come up here? I, I Look, I'll do this fast because I know you're freezing. I know the kids are. <clears throat> the Fry family's been with us over six years since I've been here, and maybe some before that. They've been such a blessing to me and to this church. Is Aaron hiding, or is he still helping? Okay.